Hey, what's up? It is the Bober and Hanley Pro Football Podcast. I want to wish everybody a very happy new year. Happy 2021 to you. Uh, we took a little bit of a holiday break, but we are back just in time for the playoffs. He is Chris Bober, the pro. I am Nick Hanley with AM590 ESPN Omaha. And Bober, first of all, happy new year to you. Hope your holidays and everything were great. 2021, here we go. I know it's off to kind of a weird start after uh, this week, but uh, we're, we're still hoping for a collectively better year. Yeah, it should be it should be a good year. I, I do know that we, we got a lot of football still going, the NFL still being played, and um, they did get in all two hundred and fifty six games. Yeah, which goes to show you that if money is involved, they will get it done. Um, NFL is a great I think a great example, honestly, for other parts of our society to say that if you're willing to, to work hard and 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 get things done, you can live a somewhat normal life. So hopefully, we all follow that example. Well, and with the, uh, there's a lot of storylines as we kind of get into the, the first weekend of the playoffs. I mean, it is considered a, a wild card weekend. You you have just two teams really taking a, a rest, and that's the one seed in the NFC and the one seed in the AFC, the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. But as we kind of got into Monday, we also know, uh, as, as it's been commonly known in the NFL as Black Monday, you've got a lot of um, decisions that are made with personnel, whether it's head coaches, GMs, or even other you know, possibly even football operations guys, uh, you know, maybe some of the ones that stood out, uh, John Elway uh, demoting himself from the GM job and promoting himself to football operations. So, uh, you know, that's one that I, I, I got to say, and I was talking about this on the show earlier this week. I like the move because I think John Elway for a guy that can still really add a lot of value to an organization. He's got a lot of contacts as a football person, as someone who is a, a Hall of Famer as well, there's a lot of respect there. But when it comes down to making personnel decisions, sometimes you got to look at somebody maybe that's a little bit more fresh with uh, the ideas to be able to keep things going in the right direction. So I, I actually kind of liked the uh, the John Elway move where he removed himself from the GM and just basically gave himself the uh, the operations or the football operations position. Yeah, plus it puts him in a position, I think, to where he, he probably will retire in a few years. Yeah. And then I'll have someone in that role to where he can step away from it. Kind of reminds me of what um like Coughlin did when he was down there. He kind of kind of stepped out or Parcells did the same thing, kind of stepped back and it's like a more of a consultant role than a day-to-day kind of thing. Um, he is getting up there and he probably wants to take some time and enjoy. That GM job's pretty tough. Yeah. You know, and you know the the other really and, and maybe we'll still get this, Chris is I feel like every year there's one either head coaching firing or GM firing that we don't see coming because so far as of today, and this could change before this podcast even goes out, there's always one that surprises us. But right now there's, there hasn't been one. I mean, Doug Marone being fired. We knew that was coming. Um, Adam Gase. I mean, hell Adam Gase for the last three weeks of the regular season was basically giving you every reason, like giving you the case verbally telling you why he has failed. So you knew, and he knew, that he was going to be done as soon as the regular season was over with. Um, and wins a couple of games to get them out of the number one spot. Just he, yeah. Thanks jets. Yeah. You can't even lose when we need you to lose. And then uh, maybe the one sort of surprise, but again, you were hearing about this in the last few weeks was Anthony Lynn with the chargers. Now that's a organization that I could look at and say, Hey, it looks like they have identified their franchise QB. Their defense is getting better. They lost a lot of close games this year. How much of that do you pin on the head coach and how much do you 
do you pin on just being a very young roster? But you've seen this a lot, especially being in the NFL. Sometimes those moves are made not just because you feel like the head coach is just not the right person for the job, but you just need accountability. You need to tell your fan base and you need to tell everybody that, hey, this record was unacceptable or we need to make a change. We need to freshen things up because we do feel like we've got this young, exciting roster, but we've got to also get another person in charge of it. Maybe that's why Anthony Lynn ultimately goes. Yeah, and and believe me, everyone really, really likes Anthony Lynn. Just a, a salt of the earth guy. Guys love him as a coach. It just looks like a head coach to him is a little bit overwhelming, especially during the games and clock management and things like that. So if he has a fault, it was that he didn't get enough guidance during the things that he's not good at. Um, you know, you're looking at these head coaches, six head coaching jobs available. And um, I say San Diego, LA Chargers is definitely one of the, the um you know, with Justin Herbert in there, those receivers, those they got some good D linemen. They they have some they have some talent there. It's a it's a very um, attractive job. I, I think there's there's two other ones that kind of stand out to me. Um, the first one is Houston Texans because I think Deshaun yeah. Watson. If you put talent around him, I think he's right on the level with Patrick Mahomes. Honestly, you look at what he did this year with zero receivers. It was unbelievable. He led the league in passing yards and he was getting his you know what handed to him day in and day out I would love to coach him I look for maybe the enemy or someone to go down there and be down there but I also think Jacksonville's a very strong too they got a ton of draft picks sounds like they're going to probably hire the coach either at the same time or even before they hire a GM so yeah. um, I know the Chiefs did that back when they hired Andy Reid I think it was seven or eight years ago yesterday. And that worked out well because they found a system that works. So there's other jobs out there, but, um, you know, there might be a surprise in here, but I think the surprise would, I don't know. You think you could come from like, you know, what, what if the bears go out and get blown out? Right. You know, it, yeah. What, if, um, other than that, I think everyone else in the playoffs is pretty safe and it doesn't seem like there's another coach that's just going to pop up. I, I, I'd be surprised though. I think the biggest thing might be the bears. I mean, you might get this, you could go down the, the rails with some other coach, maybe like Doug Peterson or something, but right. six, six is a low number. Really six, six coaches. I think they average about eight every year. So um, less turnover, maybe that's because of the pandemic and, you know, coaches couldn't do, couldn't be head coaches this year for an entire year. They just had the season to work with. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing that I, I feel owners are probably also trying to, take under consideration is that a you mentioned pandemic year there's challenges within coaching during that but also the financial challenges that come with that I mean if you're looking at coaches that still have a couple of years on their contract you know these guys have to get buyouts uh, we know that the cap number uh, by all indications is going to be lower we don't know what that number is going to be so it, when making these decisions on whether to keep someone or not you got to look at, you know, how much is it going to cost to buy them out? How much is it going to cost to buy their staff out? I mean, that that's all something that has to be talked about if you are in ownership. Uh, you mentioned the Bears. Yeah, that's one. I, I Right now, I feel like Mad Nagy's probably safe. Uh, a lot of reports are saying that he's probably going to be back. I mean, if you look <coughs> at him, look, and I'm not going to try to change my tune. I, I think there are a lot of things about Mad Nagy as a head coach that I, I still feel uh, is it, it, at the very least – uh, remains to be seen. But if you do look at the hard facts, uh, Lovey Smith, who was a relatively successful coach for the Chicago Bears, 
he didn't even have the kind of start that Matt Nagy is having right now. Matt Nagy has now put the Bears in the playoffs in the last two out of three years. Uh, he has not had a sub-500 record yet. Uh, back-to-back eight and eight seasons, though, backing your way into the playoffs if they do get blown out where I would look for the Chicago Bears organizational changes would be at the top with Ted Phillips or general manager Ryan Pace. I do expect them to take a hard look at Ryan Pace because going back to when you look at the the service time left on contracts, Matt Nagy still has two years on his contract. Ryan Pace only has one more year and blowing out just a GM there's not an entire coaching staff that comes with it that you have to buy out. Now there's some personnel guys along with them, but they're not making the same kind of money as assistant coaches. So that one financially could make more sense as well. You bring up another one that I am going to keep my eye on. I think we're all kind of interested. We're going to get into the the reason why too is Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. It, It just was not a good year. And depending on what they want to do with Carson Wentz and everything that kind of transpires in the next month, I would still say Doug Peterson is a name to kind of at least pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, if you want to kind of recap that situation, I'll I'll give you my two cents. First of all, I hate the Eagles. I, I, the only time in my (laughs) whole life, I I want the Eagles to win and they go out and lose in the way they did. Um, Now the giants, believe me, as a giants alum and fan, I can't blame anyone except for the giants for not winning enough games to get there. So that's not the reason I think it's such a a travesty of what happened, but my personal take on it is um, was it wasn't that it happened. Like I I personally believe, I think everyone is, is else believes that the Eagles tanked, right? They lost that game because they got, um, they, they gained four draft positions and that's a big yeah. deal going from 10 to six it is a really nice deal to get a better player. Um, and they're going to get some value there. Right. And I think so, I heard someone equate it to about a second round pick. If you wanted to trade up four spots in the draft. Okay. That's there's value that they got there by losing this game. However, I think they're going to actually lose more in the buy-in that they lost from all their veterans now. Right. So what they didn't do is they didn't give anyone a heads up that they were going to do this. And, and I know what it's like to be on a losing team. That's not going to make the playoffs. Sometimes you have decisions that are made that, you know, you don't like, but at least if you know of them ahead of time, you feel like, okay, we'll deal with it. But yeah. to, to go in the fourth quarter and say, we're going to put up the third string quarterback in and you got guys like Jason Kelsey and the whole line and all the veterans that I think, and I, honestly, I think Doug Peterson lost those guys. I think he did. I think he, he totally turned on them. And as a player, you go out there and give so much. And this is the last quarter of the entire season. And they, they all felt like they sold him out. He sold them out. I know what that feels like. And I'm telling you, they're going to lose more in veteran buy-in than they, than they gained in that, that four picks in the draft. And, and, and I don't think Peterson recovers from this, honestly. I think you see them go worse next year and then they fire him. I, it, I just seen it so many times when a coach loses his guys on his team, that's what happens. And those guys are never going to trust him again. I mean, you know how, how betrayed they felt to be on national TV and look embarrassed like that when you put so much into it. Uh, I, th- I thought Joe Judge did a great job of kind of sticking up for his guys. That That's like, that's real. You know, that that is how you win games or how you just survive in the NFL. And he's not going to get ever get his guys to go any farther than what, what they have to do. So I don't, I think it's a horrible look. I think it will ultimately be his eyes. And congratulations, they got four spots better in the draft. But I don't see Peterson recovering from this with any of those guys. He's got to get rid of all them because they won't trust him. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, you, you bring up Joe Judge. I, I did kind of laugh when he said that he refuses to disrespect the game. He'll never do that. And, you know, say two years from now, they're in a possible, you know, in a potential uh, locked into a number two seed. They go into week 17 and they rest all their starters. I'm like, all right, well, let's remember that. Is that disrespecting the game there when you're, but I, but I think I got it. What his point is the Doug Peterson part of it. This is what bothered me the most about what I saw in that game. You know, we talk about in the sports landscape all the time about tanking, but none of us can really watch, you know, four quarters of a football game or nine innings of a baseball game or four quarters of a basketball game and say, yep, look, look what they're doing there. I mean, it's happening right in front of us. We're watching that in this Eagles game. And you're saying, oh my gosh, they are physically tanking because of one move. Jalen hurts. I get it. Wasn't great in that game. But then you decide to bring in Nate Sudfeld and you're watching him throw balls into like the stand, into the tarped off area, the first five rows of the stadium. I mean, you're like, what the hell is this? This is not a winning move. This is a move of, yep, white flag. We are throwing in the towel. And then for Doug Peterson to basically contradict himself in the postgame. Now, honestly, Chris, if you're going to do something like that and your points are valid and you know it way better than I would as far as the locker room effect and what your guys are thinking when something like that happens. But if Doug Peterson in the postgame, just from a media standpoint, if I'm listening to this and he says, yeah, you know what? Um, It was a time of the year that we wanted to get other guys in. So whether you want to say it wasn't the best position to help us win, that's fair. But we wanted to get Nate Sudfeld in. Instead, he says, in no way were we trying to lose that game. We, we were trying to win the game. And yet I thought it was time that we got Nate Sudfeld in the game. You can't say one and then say the other. Because the one, does, the one thing that you said about we're trying to win the football game should completely eliminate the decision you made in bringing in Nate Sudfeld. And so that to me was just a bold faced lie. That's the problem I had with it is he was just not being honest when he very well could have been. And there, there was a way to do that. Honestly, as veterans and they would not have felt like they got sold down the river so there was a way to do that and by mishandling this again i just i just got this feeling that those guys are, are going to hold it against him until he's gone yeah it'll be interesting to watch and you're probably right it, it maybe has more of a 2021 effect to it than it does right now but we'll see but uh the other thing i wanted to get to and, and just be kind of, as we kind of get off of this topic too as far as the vacancies i agree i think i think houston is a a very uh, attractive position right now. And we know that the wheels, yes, the, the wheels are spinning right now. Jacksonville to me though, is also got to be right up there because you get the number one pick. Uh, you know that you're probably going to get either Trevor Lawrence. I would assume it's Trevor Lawrence, if not, maybe a Justin Fields, but so you're a coach, you're going in, you can identify your franchise quarterback right from the get-go and the amount of uh, cap space that Jacksonville has, even what's going to be a reduced cap coming up. I think Jacksonville, just knowing that this is still a team that was recently removed from the AFC championship game, they've got the opportunity to uh, kind of rebuild that organization. And what you've seen too, Bober, the NFL, this is why we love it. 
this is the one professional league that you can go from worst to first in the snap of a finger. So I think Jacksonville and Houston would probably be my top two picks as far as the most attractive spots right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a, there's a, the opportunity to, to be a head coach in the league is very special. So they, they all have opportunities. It's, it's right now. Those look like if, if handled correctly, could see success, long-term yeah. sustained success. If done, if done right. So we get into an expanded playoff, the wildcard weekend. Uh, we've seen now 14 teams in the playoffs. And one team in particular that would not have been in the playoffs if it wasn't an expansion would be the Chicago Bears. We'll get to that matchup here in a bit. But when you kind of take a look at some of these Saturday matchups, first of all, I, w- I want to go with one. And I know this is the prime time, so we're kind of going in reverse for Saturday's lineup. But the uh, because there's a little bit, a little bit of smack talk going on in this one. And that is the the Washington football team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was talking to Jeff Dickerson of ESPN Chicago, and I brought up the fact that, you know, everybody always says for teams that are underdogs that, hey, you have a chance in any game because it's the NFL, Mm -hmm. because, you know, the any given Sunday or in this case, any given Saturday, you always have that opportunity. But other than using that statement and sort of that generality, I can look at the Washington football team and say, and again, you know this, and we talk to our buddy Dave Tolson all the time who went up against Tom Brady a lot. If you can get at his feet, you can cause problems. We know Tom Brady to be amazing, the GOAT, but he's not fleet of foot. Washington can do that. Mm-hmm. If the very least, they have a very good front seven. And Chase Young, and I, I love him. I think he is a tremendous rookie. We saw what he did at Ohio State. The guy is going to be a star, already is a star. He's saying he's excited to play Tom Brady. And some people are kind of like, whoa, whoa, you know, you got to be able to, you got to be able to crawl before you can walk. I have no problem with it because even though they're the home team, Chris, mm-hmm. this is a team that has nothing to lose and mm-hmm. everything to gain. So even though that they are technically the higher seed, there's way more on the line for Tampa Bay. I always feel like, and I'm not trying to predict that I think Washington wins this football game, but I like the kind of confidence and sort of the looseness and a little bit of the smack talk that they're bringing into that game because they do have a formidable front seven. Yeah, and they do. And this is an interesting interesting matchup, that, especially that, that Tampa offense versus the Washington defense because they are so so talented up front. they got four first-round picks. They can absolutely get after the quarterback and cause uh, wreak havoc up there. Plus, you have a Tampa team with Mike Evans, who is you know questionable now. They, they yeah. said it wasn't a bad knee injury, but he's, he's banged up. Um, they do have Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and, and Gronkowski. But that's the matchup, I think, that if, if it comes down to the end of the game, you know, offense always kind of overcomes that. The, 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 the hard part about this game is going to be Tampa's defense, which is very good. It is. Right? Good. They're solid. Um, they're, you know, I don't know statistically how good they are, but they do make some plays. They, they do very well against the run. Um, they have some, some back-end problems, but I don't think – the Washington football team is going to be able to, to score that many points, honestly. Yeah. Cause I mean, they got Alex Smith back there who I love comeback player of the year. They should name the comeback player, the Alex Smith trophy. <laughs> right. But dude, he's, he's not going to be able to, 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 to play playoff level football. Right. And I just think that it, this might not be the game that we all thought it was going to be, but I think that Tampa ultimately, if you look at Tom Brady versus Alex Smith at the end of the game, I, I know Tom Brady's going to come back and win that game. 
You know what I mean? So that that I, I really hope that that we do have a, a knockdown drag out. Tom Brady maybe bloodied up a little bit, but I just don't see him not being able to overcome that defense, especially when um, the game's on the line. So yeah. look for a really good physical game. And and if you know if Tampa's defense shows up, you know, Washington. The line on this is eight and a half. Yeah. Um, so it might be worth looking at leaning towards Washington for that spread. But I just I think Tampa wins this game. I don't I don't have any doubt that Tampa wins this game. They got Tom Brady, you know what I mean? Um, but it's but I like that this is the ultimate underdog here, right? They don't even have a viable quarterback really. Right. No, is, they might use two. I mean, Ron Rivera said they might use two. Yeah, yeah. So this should be a knockdown dragout, but look for look for Tom Brady to, to get this win. The, the thing that I like about Washington in this spot, and I'm kind of with you, I, I think Tampa, if it comes down to making a play, their offense is just much better than the Washington mm-hmm. offense. So, and, and you're right. We, for, we As much as we want to talk about the Washington defense, Tampa's is pretty good too, and they're pretty good at all levels. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I like about Washington in this spot is from an organizational standpoint, this there no none of us expected, first of all, the NFC East to be as bad as it was a year ago. And it might have even been worse this year. But we also did not expect that if you know someone were to kind of be the slimmest kid at fat camp and make their way into the playoffs, it would not be Washington because organizationally they're just a mess. So the fact that they're already there, this is a tremendous opportunity and experience for those young players. I would have said the same thing about the New York Giants. There were two teams out of the NFC East that if they made the playoffs, these were it, it would not matter what they did in that first game. It just is about getting there. The mm-hmm. Giants and the Washington football team were going to be uh, those two teams. So Washington is there. So I think whatever they can accomplish, if they can keep this thing competitive and they can gain so much valuable experience from this moment against a very talented Tampa team, I think this is going to do wonders for them going forward. I really do. So I do expect Tampa Bay to win this game, but I also expect Washington to show up. I expect them to play kind of like that team that has nothing to lose. They will make Tampa uncomfortable in a lot of moments. But, yeah, probably at the end, Tom Brady, this offense makes enough plays that they win. I don't necessarily know if they cover that number, but I think they win. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It'd be nice if if Washington's ceiling is limited by um, whether or not they can get a quarterback that can help them win the game. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of other pieces. Another game that it, this is, this kind of goes a little bit more into my AFC sort of, you know, climate right now is it, the Colts and the Bills. And that's the first game on Saturday. And that is a uh, CBS 12 o'clock kickoff. Uh, the Bills, I think, Chris, this could sound crazy and don't reach across the computer and smack me upside the head right now. But if I had my AFC power rankings right now, I've got Buffalo in front of Kansas city. I think Buffalo is playing tremendous football right now. I think they are an extremely tough out. I think Josh Allen is still, even with the amount of games this year that he has, you know, been able to account for multiple touchdowns. I still feel like there's a little bit of disrespect with Josh Allen that you're kind of waiting for him to sort of blow up. Um, I think Buffalo is as good as there is right now. Now, the Colts for a team that is a seven seed. I mean, this is not the seventh seed Chicago bears in the NFC. This is a seven seed that is 11 and five. They're a good football team too. It wouldn't shock me if the Colts would be able to do something and pull something off. But am I, am I overselling the Buffalo bills in your opinion? No, I don't think so. Honestly, I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, we'll get into the chiefs and what they're doing good and bad uh, probably next week as we preview the, whoever they play, yeah. but the AFC is a much tougher road. 
right? I mean, with the exception of maybe Indianapolis and I guess, you know, Cleveland, who who now is all beat up uh, with yeah. COVID, I, I think anyone could beat the Chiefs in the in the AFC, and it's a much tougher road. Green Bay, I think, is almost I can almost lock them into the Super Bowl, but Kansas City is not playing as well as they were. They don't have momentum, and any of these teams that's playing well can come in there and knock them off. Now, now specifically with this game, I, I do think this is a huge mismatch. Um, playing in Buffalo, they're going to be in the weather's going to be in the 30s. Um, Indianapolis is a dome team and I don't want to paint people into a box, but that usually doesn't work well in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Rivers is old, right? His bones are going to be creaky. Yeah. Um, I, I hope this is a good game. I just feel like Buffalo is going to run them out of the stadium. I mean, they are doing so well. They have such momentum. They um, they're so good. They, they, they're like, they're the best. I think they're 11 and five against the spread this year. So even with six and a half points, I, I think laying that bet would, would actually be a smart bet. Yeah. I kind of like people, that number. I think Indianapolis kind of limped into the playoffs, honestly. The defense that they had, um, I don't think it matters against Josh Allen, and they can run the ball. Um, Stephon Diggs is, is on cloud nine right now. So I'd love to see them control the tempo, Jonathan Taylor run the ball, um, mix a match in there. But I, I just think Buffalo is going to just come out and just like just sling it and, and just walk away with you know the fourth quarter being up by a few touchdowns that just kind of cruise to a victory. Yeah, and, and I think this is another opportunity for Josh Allen. He had a great regular season. Uh, people are talking a lot more about him now. Now it's the playoffs. All right, let's put the the money where the mouth is, and let's see if he can show up during the big stage. And so that's kind of, the I think, the, the next sort of level for Josh Allen and this Buffalo team. But I just I cannot look at any team in the playoffs right now, and that's maybe with the exception of, of Green Bay, and say there is anybody playing better football right now than Buffalo. So that's kind of why I say – I got them slightly ahead of Kansas City right now if I had a week-to-week power rankings. But then we also know Kansas City is champs for a reason. And they might just kind of be lying in the weeds right now at the perfect time. And then, okay, playoff time, it's go time. Well, I want to I want to see what teams are going to do to try to stop Josh Allen. Personally, I think that you have to pressure him, but keep him in the pocket. If he rolls yeah. up, especially to the right, he is Patrick Mahomes, honestly. Um, if someone can pressure him and, and, and kind of contain blitz him, I think to force him to, to try to have to be accurate under pressure is probably his biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. Hasn't shown up much this year because he's overcame it, but Indianapolis, Indianapolis is not a pressure team, right? Yeah. They, they're good up front. They, they rush with their own guys and play, play man or coverage behind it. Um, so I just don't think it's a great matchup. The other game, it's, it's a divisional game. Um, that it's In fact, it's the afternoon game between Seattle and Los Angeles. That'll be a 340 uh, Fox kickoff on Saturday. Rams, Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks are a slight favorite at home. Look, it's not the same 12th man advantage that Seattle usually has at home, so I don't really put a lot of stock into the home field advantage. I will say this when it comes to the NFC, and I've kind of hinted at this throughout our podcast this season. When the Rams have things figured out they're as good as anybody in the nfc jared goff coming off of the thumb surgery can he be effective that is what you're going to have to watch so in the first real i think 10 minutes of this game you're going to know all you need to know about the rams offense because if jared goff is still feeling the effects and, and there's no way he's 100 percent in this game but if he is able to execute the offense I do like Los Angeles in this football game. Defensively, they have been able to have a lot of success against Russell Wilson and that offense. So if Goff can play at an effective level, even at 80%, I think I do like uh, the Rams. But both of these teams, Chris, 
you could make a case for them, no matter who they're playing, of making it to the NFC Championship or losing in the first round. They have given you that on paper this year. They've given you that with their body of work where they've looked tremendous one week, and you're thinking, boy, these are great football teams. And then there's other weeks where you're thinking, eh, maybe not so much. So that's the other thing is, what do we see out of either one of these teams with Goff injured or not? I, j- I just don't know what to expect out of either one of these teams. Yeah, let's not forget the Rams lost to the Jets. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so they, they are definitely a hot and cold team. But as I look at this game, um, the huge question mark here is golf. Obviously, if, if you have Wolford out there, I actually liked him. He played uh, well. He did last week. Yeah. I, he runs the ball a little bit. He he didn't look too bad. But I, but going into the playoffs, he's he's nowhere near the talent or experience to to count on him to to be super effective. The Rams, of course. Um, have a great defense, right? Yep. It's overlooked with them is how good they are in defense oftentimes. Um, now look at the Seahawks. It's so interesting. I, I, we saw this, I think, this year more than I feel like I've seen in a long time is these teams that come out and they start the year in one way and they finish the year in another way, but they're still winning football games, mm-hmm. right? At the beginning of the year, the whole let Russ Cook thing was going on and they were scoring 50 points a game and they had no defense. Yeah. Um, you look at where they are now, Russell, Russell Wilson is not not playing that great right now. Their defense is playing well. They they picked up a couple of guys, Carlos Dunlap, um, Adams, and some of those guys have, have done some good things. Um, and now they they run the ball. You know they got Chris Carson back, and Russell Wilson just kind of sits back and, and controls the tempo, and then and then he's got the ability to win at the end, which is very dangerous. So this should be a good game. Um, I'm hoping. Um, Goff does come back and he is close to hundred percent so that we have a competitive game. Um, the one thing I will say about this game is, is to baby bet on the under, right? N- neither of these yeah. teams is a high scoring team. It's 42 and a half now, which I think you could still bet and, and get a good line on that. Uh, I think it's a great bet to, to bet the under on this because both these teams want to run the ball, right? They want to control. I mean, LA, probably has to run the ball even if golf's back he's not going to be 100 they're not going to take too many yeah. chances right and then seattle is now a run team as well and both these teams play defense they grind it out so this this could be like a you know 17 14 game um i don't know who to pick in this but the only, the only pick i would really have in this is the under yeah i i like that i i still am slightly leaning towards the rams again because i go with what i think is the best unit on the field in this matchup and i think that is the rams defense and i think they could get a turnover here and there and, and if this is a close game like i think you and i are, are both sort of anticipating that could be the difference so but again if golf is a liability you know if he's letting a couple balls float on him hey all of a sudden that makes a pretty average seattle defense all of a sudden very effective so uh, we'll see. I guess I'm kind of slightly leaning towards the Rams, but I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah, the, the the Rams are getting three and a half points, and I think that's a good value right there. Because if 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 Seattle if it's tied up at the end and they drive down and kick a field goal to win, then of yeah. course it's still cover. So that could be the the move right there. In, in I would very- jump on that number now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I imagine you know a lot of money. It's I'm surprised the the line hasn't changed. I, I well, it was minus five. Now it's down to three and a half. Yeah. So, you want to jump on that before it gets to three, because I think money will push that down to three to hedge hedge the betters or the handicappers out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, two out of three of the games on Sunday, I think, are going to be fantastic. And we'll start with the very first one, the Ravens-Titans. If there is a fly in the ointment in the AFC, I still think it's got to be the Ravens, because 
this is a team that is largely underachieved as far as what we thought that they would be. Uh, Lamar Jackson is kind of getting himself on a heater all of a sudden, which I think is dangerous for the rest of the AFC field. This team is playing with confidence. Tennessee, I do like, I mean, how can you not like Derrick Henry? But their defense still is a problem, especially on third downs, in my opinion. Lamar Jackson and the offense with the confidence go all the way back to that Monday night football game where they were able to outlast the Browns. It felt like that was sort of that that momentum uh, swing that this organization needed. And I just feel like this is a team that is now feeling very more confident than they would have been a month ago about the playoffs. So you got the Ravens taking on the Titans. Ravens are a uh, road favorite at three and a half. And I'm going to say I love the Ravens in this spot. I would take the Ravens lay in the three and a half. Three and a half is a great number. I'm seeing three here. So it depends on where you get this. This could be the best game of the week. Um, both of these teams are, are I'm not going to say carbon copies of each other, but they both really, really like to run the football. They, they do it in different ways. Baltimore obviously is going to um, use the quarterback, right? And that's what Lamar Jackson and Baltimore has, has done really well historically well honestly because we're talking about keen henry over here but yeah. baltimore has been rushing for like three or four hundred yards a game again like i said it reminds me of the the uno of 1999 they're doing that in, at, at the nfl level it's pretty amazing now their limitations are still that, that lamar jackson is not throwing the ball that well yeah when you run the ball that good that's not showing up i think it will show up in a playoff game eventually um, it hurt them big time, but Tennessee, I, I like everything about Tennessee. I just, I wonder when they're going to like not be on, right? Like when is Derrick Henry going to get worn down when it's like they, 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 how they call their offense, how they run. It. I think they're doing such a great job. Uh, Tannehill's playing awesome. I love their big receivers. They got, they got a lot to like here. So this is a very even game to me. I think it's a revenge game, right? Cause remember Tennessee, not Baltimore last year, was the best team in the NFL until they yeah. lost this game. I, I worried about them, the Chiefs going to Baltimore to have to try to beat them. This year, I don't think they're quite as good, but this game is very – it's a, it's a coin flip to me. I, I mean, I like Baltimore. Three and a half, I do like Baltimore. But, man, this is this – is, this is, it could go either way here. Um, this is going to be old school football and should be a great, great football game. Uh, the afternoon game I wouldn't chalk up as one of the great games. Uh, that's Chicago, New Orleans. Uh, look, I, I get it. This game was an, uh, it was decided in overtime in Chicago earlier this year, but I, there's a couple things that I think are important. Now, most of it works in favor of New Orleans, one for Chicago. Uh, Nick Foles was the quarterback for Chicago at that time, and Nick Foles is not a mobile guy. I mean, if there's anything about Mitchell Trubisky is what they've been doing with him lately is they're rolling him out. They're cutting the field down in half. That helps him. That allows him to use some athleticism. So, you know, maybe that helps the Chicago offense a little bit more. But the other part of that previous matchup, Michael Thomas was not playing for the Saints. Uh, that was a big issue right there. And so he most likely is playing. I know he's on IR. He should be cleared. If this game was played on Saturday, it might have been a little bit more dicey. I know Alvin Kamara is still on the COVID reserve list, but by Sunday, he could very well be cleared and could very well play. And the other big issue for Chicago, it hasn't been made official, but I saw the line has moved from eight and a half to 10. 
Uh, Roquan Smith, the outstanding linebacker, probably the Chicago Bears defensive MVP of the season, is most likely out with a dislocated elbow. And the reason that that is huge, Chris, is because what Sean Payton loves to do with his running backs out of the backfield in the passing game, match him up with linebackers. Roquan Smith is one of the best coverage linebackers that you're going to see in all of the NFL. If he can't go and you got Danny Trevathan trying to cover Alvin Kamara or anybody else out of the backfield, that's going to be an issue. That's a matchup that Sean Payton and Drew Brees are going to try to exploit. So just so much on paper right now says New Orleans wins this game. New Orleans is going to be extremely fired up for this game. They're playing well. And the other thing about that previous matchup, by the way, when Chicago uh, lost to New Orleans in overtime is that the Bears defense was playing much better at that time. Right now, they're leaking. They're leaking bad. They've been dealing with injuries. Likely Roquan Smith is out. We'll see if they get their uh, outstanding uh, rookie corner, Jalen Johnson, back in. But if he can't go, you're talking about uh, a what, a fifth-round rookie and Kendall Vildor trying to cover some of those outstanding wide receivers, too, and going up against Drew Brees. So there's a lot of things working against Chicago's defense. I mean, it's still Mitchell Trubisky in a big spot. How could you even think about putting money on him? The only bright spot in this game for Chicago is their offensive line has seemed to kind of figure things out, and David Montgomery has been a much bigger weapon. Other than that, I've got nothing. Yeah, I think the hardest matchup for the Bears here is matching up against the Saints defense, especially at home. Um, the biggest qualifier for me was when I saw the Saints play the Chiefs, right? Of course, the Chiefs beat the Saints, but they were stuck to those receivers. I mean, their defense is good, way better than I think we're giving them credit for because you just think of the Saints, you don't think defense. But I think their defense is the strength of this team. Going up against the weakness of the Bears, I think it's a bad matchup there. And of course, the, the Saints are probably going to at least be able to score a few touchdowns. I just don't think the Bears will, right? And I, I don't know if I like 10, but um, yeah, I think that the Bears are going to really struggle on offense against that really, really good defense. And then, you know, New Orleans is going to do enough to win this game. Um, yeah. I just think Bears have a bad matchup here. Um, I, you might also consider the under here, the over under is 47. I don't, they, I don't see a lot of points being scored here. I think we automatically have this bias that the, the Saints are going to be a huge high-scoring team. But um, I don't think either of these teams score a lot of points here. I mean, this might be like a 24-10 a, a to 10 game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah, I think be. that New Orleans controls this game, and I think that they it's, it doesn't like they go off. You know, Kamara's going to come back, but he's going to – you know, he, he tested for COVID, and he's going to miss a week of practice. So I think the Saints will will be able to score. It's just not going to be an explosion. And I don't, I don't think the Bears will do much of anything. It'll just yeah. be a little bit frustrating for Bears fans. <laughs> but that's that's why I see it. Yeah. And, and keep an eye on this if you are looking to take the Saints at 10. Uh, even when Chicago has gotten beaten down in games, they are the kings of the fourth quarter backdoor cover. Uh, we yeah. saw them do that against Tennessee. Where it was a game that looked like it was 24 to three. And then all of a sudden they get a couple garbage touchdowns before, you know, it's 24, 17. So be mindful, even in what feels like a blowout, Chicago could cover that 10 points just because they do their best work when the game is over. Nothing so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that. There's a sign of a great team right there. Um, so the primetime game, this one is going to be very interesting. And this one has kind of stolen the headlines because it's it's sort of led the conversations about what you should do with COVID when it comes to the playoffs. Should there be any kind of delay? Uh, Kevin Stefanski for the Browns head coach will not be able to coach because of COVID. 
you've got a couple other people personnel wise. Uh, Stefanski can't even communicate until, or he can communicate up until the game starts, but cannot communicate on headsets or anything. So he is not going to be a factor. They've had enough time to prepare for this, but the biggest loss in my opinion is uh, Joel Batonio because it's, I think it's equivalent to, we remember the outstanding offensive lineman, Joe Thomas. If you were in a playoff spot and the Browns, when they had Joe Thomas, if Joe Thomas couldn't go, I think it's a, it's a similar impact because of how good the Browns run the football. You've got an all pro offensive lineman that is going to miss this game because of COVID. To me, that is something that is a little bit bigger than, ah, it's just an injury. They'll figure it out. Keep your eye on that one because this is why Baker Mayfield has been so successful. He has not been asked to do a whole heck of a lot of anything. Uh, play action has been very good for him. This has been the perfect formula for Baker Mayfield to be successful. If they can't run the ball and the Browns get into third and predictable, this is going to be very, I think, a big challenge for Baker Mayfield in this matchup against the Steelers defense that's not as good as they were at the beginning of the year, losing guys like Bud Dupree, but is still a very good defense that could make him pay for that. Yeah, I, I feel really bad for the Browns fans that this is, it's just unfortunate that this had to happen right now because Cleveland, I thought if, if at full strength here, this would be a very even football game. Um, you know, you look at what, what, what's happened here. Their left guard is out. Like you talked about, they lost a receiver and their head coach is out too. And remember he's the play caller, yep. right? And I, I forget who they said, who's going to call the plays. It's a, it's the, the coordinator. Yeah, um, Rossi, yeah. My, my, uh, my old buddy, Mike Prefer, special teams coach is going to be the head coach in this game. And I love Mike Prefer, but um, he is not, you know, he's not Stefanski, right? Stefanski should, should get coach of the year, honestly, for I agree. Oh, whatever, whatever the, the, the award should get for coaching, it should go to him for what he's done out there. Yep. Um, that I think that those chinks in the armor are just are enough to get you beat by the Steelers, right? The Steelers are, are I think they're, this, this might be the only playoff when they get, but they're, they're, they're equal to the Browns at full strength. And with these guys out, I think they're better. I, th- I, yeah. in fact, I, I think it's going to be a frustrating game to watch because I don't think Cleveland has a lot of success. It's just too hard. I mean, their first playoff game, Baker Mayfield's first playoff game and all these things going wrong. I just don't see them having being able to overcome what Pittsburgh can do. Remember Mayfield without pressure is awesome, mm-hmm. but the Pittsburgh Steelers can get some pressure and it's, this is not going to be last week's rest our guys, Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be the full strength, you know, coming at you Steelers. I just, you know, the line went from three and a half to six. Um, I still think that's a good line for Pittsburgh. Honestly, I think, I think they won this game. I, 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 unfortunately, I like the Browns. I like everything about them until they had their coach and, and the old pro lineman and, and these things go out. It's unfortunate that they had to do this, but I think the Steelers kind of, kind of run them up here um, and control this game. On a side note, too, do, are, do you have any problem with the NFL saying, sorry, guys, but we got to stick to the schedule. It sucks that you can't have your head coach. It sucks that you can't have, uh, you know, Batonio in, but uh, we got to stick to the schedule. Are you cool with that? I, I, you know, it's it's a bad draw, but I think they have to. I mean, I, yeah. they're being fair, right? Like right. if this happened to the Chiefs or the Patriots or one of these, the Cowboys, someone who in the league is, is like much higher on. I think they do the same thing. There's just really no alternative here, right? This is a very structured environment here that has to go forward a certain way. And if, if you can put a, a, a guys on the field, then you got to go out there and do it. And I think it's the only way it gets done. There's no real way around it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just bad luck. I, I just really feel bad for the, for the Browns. 
the, the, the only thing that I wish the NFL, because of how innovative they are, especially with their communication and technology, is still allow Kevin Stefanski to communicate from wherever he is to mm-hmm. his team, it, to basically still have that direct line to Baker Mayfield before the, you know, the, the, the clock hits 10 seconds on the play clock. I, I still feel that they could do that um, given the circumstances and maybe not even a regular season type setting, but in a playoff where that can be such an advantage or disadvantage. I, I still wish the NFL could have looked into that, but maybe there's just not enough time to get that situated. I don't know. I, I, I can't pretend to be an expert on that, but that's my only regret or my only disappointment with this is I, I still wish that they could allow Stefanski to communicate throughout the game. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if someday they do figure that out, but I think it's more about security right now. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was playing, there was rumors of teams like stealing bandwidth and signals from each other. Well, it's the, a the Patriots? Was it with the Patriots for that? But you know, to have a guy at home, I mean, who, it's not a controlled environment, right? Right. If they had thought of this and put them something together with say, okay, well, we can monitor what you're doing there mm-hmm. and only give you a direct feed. I mean, they might, technology should be able to set that up here and, and, and soon. I think they will. Um, it's just, they're just not ready for it right now. This might be the, the catalyst to get that going though. So yeah. that in case this thing dribbles into next year, um, a head coach or a, a position coach, a play caller can, can have that link if it's if it's in a controlled environment, I would not be surprised if they really work hard to try to get that. Yeah, it's a very good point about the security part. I didn't even really consider that either. So, all right, we're here. I mean, it's 2021. It is the first round of the playoffs wildcard weekend, three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. We'll be back next week to talk about the divisional round. We'll be able to talk about the number one seeds, the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Who will they be playing? Will we see any big upsets this weekend? Uh, this is the fun time of the season. And again, and we said it all throughout the year, Bober, the fact that we are here on schedule is still a small miracle right there. So I think uh, we should all be very excited that we're seeing playoff football. I'm with you. It kind of stinks for the Browns to, to maybe not have it exactly the way you want, but here we are on schedule looking good and we hope it, it stays that way. Yeah, man, let's get some football in and um, we'll report back next week. Um, I, I love this fact that we have six games this weekend um, to kind of wean us off of, we go from 16 to six to like four yeah. that, you know, you kind of break it down. So it's nice, nice to have another game this weekend. Absolutely. Talk to you next week, man. Have a great rest of the week. All right, man. Bye-bye. It's not a game. It's a rich team.